Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Watch and listen to Higher Learning where we dissect the biggest topics in black entertainment, politics, and sports. Twice a week, we react to the most important and timely conversations, often inviting guests to offer unique perspectives. Listen to Higher Learning free only on Spotify. Bill Burr is here. When was the first time you sold out an arena? Um, because that's kind of the last guy, stage, I, I, right? I, oh, before a crack addiction, yeah. Then I just totally tailspin into the ground. Then I come back with the book, an older, wiser Bill, you know. And you tell me how great I look when well, you I come never back. Never do a football stadium. Looking at my fake teeth. After you I can never do a football stadium. Huh? The most you could do is like twenty. Kevin Hart did right? one. A football stadium. Kevin Hart sold out the Eagles. Football stadium. What? Yeah. I think he sold more tickets than the Eagles that week. <laughs> this is before they won the Super Bowl. No disrespect. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe the, the key would be the giant video board. Because there's no way you could see Kevin Hart from even like the fifth row, much less the yeah. 150th. Um, yeah. What that, you know, you also have to be like, there's this beyond like the talent he has and the, the, the star power and all that, there's a certain level of mentality you have to have to be able to handle something or even be, to want to do something that big. Yeah. The own the room mentality. Uh, yeah. That Freddie Mercury thing where yeah. he turns a, 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 the Wembley arena into like a coffee house. So, um, you know, there's certain people that should be doing that. So we, we tried to, me personally, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, vacuum up a little bit of money before I just retire. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to these. These are, uh, what I, do, what I do to make them sort of like not as crazy yeah. is, uh, I play drums as a hobby. So I always rent some gear and me and my friends and we get together and we jam in like the empty arena, just playing, you know, hair metal and all this shit. We grew up on guns and roses and stuff like that. And, um, it just kind of turns into like a clubhouse vibe and you, you just don't feel like, uh, yeah. And then it just feels like, and then a couple hours later, you go out and you do the show. You've already made a lot of noise in there. So it <clears throat> doesn't seem that crazy. Did you, did you uh, do this? Like you set down the same set that you do each time or do you mix it up? No, no, no. I, I you know, I kind of know what I, I know what I'm starting with and I kind of know what I'm ending with. And I kind of know the middle. And it's just kind of like all how, you know, you say something that makes you think of this joke, then I do that joke. It's right. not like there's this, uh, you know, this giant puzzle in my head of how it goes together. There's a through line of my moronic opinion that can kind of tie any one of the jokes together that, you know, you just kind of listen to an idiot who hopefully is funny is basically my formula. When who was Dane Cook? I remember sold out an arena and it was a big deal. Now that Dane hadn't happened Cook. before, right? Oh no, that's happened. Yeah, yeah. Who did it before Dane Cook? Uh, I think. I mean, going back into the seventies and eighties, Steve stuff Martin. Like that. Yeah, Steve Martin played like but for NASA the modern era. Cook. That was like I remember that being Dice, kind of a big deal. Then Dice Clay. Oh yeah, Dice did it. Yep. Nice run there. Dice did it, and then then after Dice, Dice was kind of like the last guy to hit four hundred. You know, like. Ted Williams and then it's just it just, <laughs> right. just stopped like it doesn't happen he was like the last guy to play in arena and then it didn't happen again until uh Dane Cook basically taught everybody the power of social media like he really was a um uh way out ahead of everybody else 
And then, of course, what was funny, once everybody saw Dane get to the level that he did, you know, people just all, all the scuttlebutt around. All he did was this. It's everybody thinks like, oh, now I'll get a zillion fans on on MySpace and then I'll sell out Madison Square Garden. And it's just like, it's, but you forget you're not him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when Louis put out a special and he's just like, I'm just going to put it out for five bucks. And it's just like, dude, he made all his money back. He made a profit. And then other people tried to do it and they lost their shirt. It's because it's like, you're not him. So you have to kind of, uh, you have to have an understanding of where you are in the business, you know, rather than just going like, you, you got to, you know, somebody has to be like within, you know, you're running them down. Like you're within their, their wheelhouse. If you're going to try to do something that they're going to do. I mean, if you're on the pavement and somebody's in the penthouse and they're just going to do something, but, oh, I'm going to do that. And then I'll be in a penthouse. It's just right. like, no, dude, you're going to be still walking around the block with a sandwich board. <laughs> you got to, you got to do some sandwich board shit to try to get, you know, to get in the lobby and then you work your way up the building. At least that's that's how it worked for me. Has he been the most resented comic like of, of your kind of generation? Who? Because Dane Cook. Because I remember when that whole thing went down. No, and it, I, seemed, it was- People a, were like, it was like he was gaming the system because he was reaching out to his fans online, which now everybody does. I thought, you know, he got a, uh, he got more than his share, but there's there's one of these things where it's just like, you're not going to do like, like I'm doing like three of these things. Like he literally had the same road, road schedule as the Celtics. Right. You know what I mean? And it was like, <laughs> he, uh, you can't do that and be out there. The, you know, the hottest women in the world want to bang you. You're making all this money. You can't do that and just, and not have a back. The backlash is, it's just going to come. Um, so, you know, and it did. That was so. a weird era for comedy. It was kind of between two eras. Yeah. Now this current era feels like a boom. And, and also Dave kind of went movie. away. Dave Chappelle went away. That yeah. caused like this big void. That was kind of like, you know, when Bird and Magic retired and then Jordan left for those two years. Like the NBA was weird. It's like yeah. when SNL gets like a new cast and you're like, is it ever going to be funny again? And it takes them a couple of years and then they have like those characters. Then you're like, it's great again. It's great again. It's great again. And then they all leave to go do movies and move on with their careers. And then you, then it... Like leagues kind of go through that shit. I guess. I guess maybe stand up does. I never really looked at it that way. I think that's definitely true. Hey, it also depends on what the outside forces are. You know, like he had like the late eighties, early nineties. He had those HBO and comedian shows, and Comedy Central was giving everybody a special and stuff like that. And then everything kind of splintered out. And now right. the Netflix thing, the amount of money that they've spent on stand up and the platform they have, it seems like it's transformed a lot of this stuff. Yeah, where you can now, if you get a special on Netflix and it and it hits, you can tour globally. Yeah, like I have an Eastern European tour coming up. Shut up, it makes no sense. I mean, you're going I, to Eastern Europe to do comedy. Yeah, <laughs> just, to go, just to go there. No, I mean, no. There's a lot of people like just speak English. There's expatriates. No, I've I've done like you know I've done Singapore, Hong Kong, Mumbai, India. It was one of my favorite gigs I've ever done. It was just kind of shady getting in and out because we kind of messed with their immigrants. So, and I think specifically some senator on the West Coast, because you got more shit if you were trying to get into the country to work if you were from the West Coast. So I don't know what happened, but all I know is I had to send my passport to there's something in San Francisco. And then it came back with this work paper. And then when I got to India, I had to go to like, you know, some friggin' building and they wouldn't let the uh, promoter go in with me. 
So I had to go in there and I had to get a piece of paper to leave that said it was okay, I could leave. So I'm in there and like I'm hanging with, you know, sitting next to this woman from Afghanistan and she's trying to get out and I'm trying to get out. My show's that night because I literally was flying in, doing the gig and leaving the next day and flying back to New York. And I remember just sitting there and like in India, it's hilarious. They have this thing with you ask them a question and they, they don't shake their head no and they don't nod it yes. It's like a bobblehead thing. They just, just trying to read them. You know, you're like, well, if I have this p- piece of paper, then now this definitely means I'm going to get out. I think I was taking a red eye that night. I'm definitely going to get out, right? And the lady was just kind of doing this with her head. <laughs> She's like, can you just, you know, I felt like uh, it was it was actually a really, that a really good experience to have um, being in the majority my whole life to then feel like I was one of those people in the beginning of Stripes, you know, son of bitch, shit, son of bitch, shit. Like I was the guy not speaking English. I mean, not speaking, uh, uh, I'm only speaking English, not understanding their language. And uh yeah, and there was one time I was like, Bill, if ever you're going to keep your temper in check, this is the place. Even though you're getting a DMV vibe here right now, do not act like how you act at the DMV out here in California. Just So then we ended up taking the red eye. I think that's how I got out because I went there and I handed the piece of paper and the guy's looking at it, he's doing all this stuff. I go, it's all there, right? And he's doing the bobblehead thing. I was like, guy, I'm going to miss the plane. I just sort of kind of gorillaed my way through it. And then we got on there and I felt I was, was that Ben Affleck movie? Was it Argo? Is that what it was Argo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just the plane. want the plane to take off. Yeah, I just want the plane to take off. And then we landed in uh, Dubai and then we switched and then it was, then it was fine. Um, then I felt good. It seems like the Eastern European tour could be the plot for Taken 4. Could be what? The plot for Taken 4. Oh, the comedian co- goes to Eastern Europe to do comedy and then something happens and you have to get somebody back. Yeah, yeah. They I steal your manager. I don't know, this man. This could be it. This could be your comedy action. Yeah. I, I, comedy don't, I action don't think gateway. anybody's buying a bald, redheaded male as an action star. You I can could, carry. You're feisty. You, yeah. you just go full Boston. I'm the guy in the van working the computer, trying to give him more time. <laughs> Which is fine with me, dude. It's fine with me. I'm a comedian. And anytime I, I get any... Um, any parts of the movie, it's gravy. Speaking of which, yeah. I, I got a small part in this movie called The Front Runner. Jason Reitman directed it. Hugh Jackman starring it. He's getting Oscar buzz. So don't blink or you'll miss me, but uh, I'm actually going to the Toronto Film Festival coming up this weekend. to. Uh, what the is premiere. the frontrunner about? It's I like the, Jason Reitman. It's the Gary Hart story. Mm. And it's so fascinating because I re- I'm old enough to remember it. For those youngsters listening to this thing, it was 1988. And I didn't realize this, but up until then, they never delved into your personal life. Oh, yeah. They could 100% know that you were banging chicks on the side with your wife and everything, but they would keep it. So how do you, you know, how are you going to get the physically responsible, get the economy? They just stay in there. And this was the first guy that they went tabloid. Like they had like, yeah. like, like newspapers were all like, we can't do that. Then we'd be at the level of these guys, you know, um, like the Inquirer and stuff. And- that's when the wheels came off. They went ahead and do it, did it. And I remembered it like a, a six week, a month or a six week scandal, but it's literally, it was a week. It came out Monday and the next Monday he was out of the race. And then Dukakis became the guy. And then that's why, you know, you have eight years of Republican, you know, America, and then it's going to be like, no, they're the problem. Yeah. Now eight years of a Democrat. Now the Democrats are the problem. So he was all set. He was going to be the guy. He was the front runner. And, um, you know, good looking guy was younger than George Herbert Walker, which all plays 
in an election, which it shouldn't, but so it looked like he was going to win it. So then he got kicked out and then Dukakis went in, then it became a closer race. And then Dukakis, I guess, stuck his head out of that tank and evidently that <laughs> that was the end of it. Um, but then what's amazing is in 92, Bill Clinton comes along who not only has that scandal, he has like three, four of them. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, man. People just like them. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you want to hear a song on my saxophone? And then he just, and I always wondered what Gary Hart thought. Like, really? But it just seemed like the way the script was that Gary was too, it's kind of ironic, too much of a family man to put his kid and everything like that through it. So he was just like, all right, I did it. We're done. We're shutting it down. I remember there's that one photo, right? Him and Donna, wasn't it Donna Rice? Yeah, on that on the it was, they were on, on like a monkey, boat. monkey business was what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he never recovered from that one. Yeah, Dukakis was a tough loss for uh, Massachusetts. He 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 was not a very Massachusettsy type. type he was guy. a good guy though. Yeah, he was but a he good was, guy, but, but he didn't Greek, have that you know real ethnic. So I thought I thought he was a good Massachusetts. Remember the guy. John Lovitz SNL like impression of him. <laughs> he, he I just remember was the, the, camp- big, the big sideburns and the hair swooped across his forehead. He I did that. Can't that. believe I'm losing this guy. Like oh, Dana yeah. Carver's doing the George Bush oh, for that's like right. five minutes. I can't believe I'm losing this guy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dukakis, hard to believe he was one vote away going back. He's like in the top five, hard to believe you almost were the president. Oh, yeah. Rankings. Shot the three at the buzzer and went in and out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think they, I think he was more down like 18 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? I don't know. That's a good fork in the road, though, the Gary Hart thing. Because it you're right. It starts the whole tabloid thing. And then on top of that, changes the course of who became the president. Yeah, now they try they try and find stuff, even if you didn't do anything. Like, I feel like George Herbert Walker was the last guy who was actually able to be president without being attacked by the other party to a ridiculous level. I mean, they've always, you know. yeah gone at each other, but there was always a level of respect. But like Clinton was the whole Lewinsky thing. You lied under oath. Let's vote to have him impeached, you know? And then uh, what's his face? George W. was, you know, you stole the election, all that crap you did down in Florida. Obama, you're not from here. And now Trump, yeah, you're in bed with the Russians. And um, none of those people were removed from office. And I just, I don't just don't know if that helps us to be constantly, to be like, you know, it's like a fan base. At some point, you know, you can criticize, but at some point you got to support the team or the, the home field advantage is kind of gone, isn't it? To well, bring how it much, back to sports. How much has it seeped into your act the last two years? What? The politics stuff. Not nah, nothing. Because nah. I noticed- there's, there's a million people doing Trump jokes and it's all like sort of the same. And I, I thought Howard Stern had the best angle on it, which he was just basically saying that this guy has a hot wife. He has all this money. Nobody's really like fucking with him and his age. How old is he? 77, 78? He's mid 70s. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you got like six good summers left. Why would you want this job? Every fucking asshole is going to blame you for everything. He just kept coming back to that. You got six good summers left. Yeah. Like I was laughing so hard. I almost had to pull over, but I didn't, you know, sometimes when somebody does something like that, you're just like, you know, I'm not going to do it better than that. So I can go splash around in that water, but this guy just, you know, he took it all the water out of the pool on that one, I felt, so. Yeah, I noticed with your podcast, the Monday morning, mm-hmm. um, that you always have three topics that you tweet out that the pod's about, mm-hmm. and it's always like football, Vaseline, and whiskeys. Yeah. You know, like these three <laughs> things that have nothing in common. I don't know. I and know. you just, you just kind of turn the mic on and go, right? You yeah. must have a general idea. What I have like about. a little set list like I would on stage where I'll just be like, you know, Pats, Texans, 
you know, uh, 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 chick at the yogurt store, if I was a story or something like that. Yeah. But once I start talking, I don't look at the list again unless it starts slowing down. So a lot of times I, I don't get to what's on the list or sometimes I feel like I've done everything on the list and I've only done 12 minutes. Uh, so it's very much like doing stand-up. Like when, if you're in the zone, you feel like you did half your act and you, you already did an hour. And then nights where you're just not on and you're not vibing with the crowd, it's like you feel like you've done your whole act and you've only been up there for 15 minutes. And you're like, now what the fuck am I going to do? So um, podcast is the same way. Just turn it on and go. I can't yeah. do that. I'm always jealous of the people. Like I hear Colin Coward on Fox. He'll start, you know, he'll start his show and he'll just talk for 20 minutes with some angle or like Stephen A. Smith can do it. Mm -hmm. Guys on first take, they just swap these five minute monologues. Uh, I'm always like, I'm always impressed by it. Like, yeah, I don't know if like Stephen A, he goes from, he does first take for two hours and then does a radio show. And it's just, he's doing sports monologues for four hours. I don't, I don't feel like I could have that much to say about sports. Uh, Here's the thing about Carmelo Anthony. You know, he's just, he's riled I, yeah. up all the well, time. Well, if you're doing two shows, like how do you have time to watch the sport? That's, that's the certain thing. guys like, yeah, no, that guy's or like- Or know what's going on. Maybe during the commercials, he's just furiously going through Twitter to see I think, no, is. just some of those guys, they just, they're born with that gift. And like, he's probably, you know, he probably one of those guys gets out of bed running. Like some people are just, they just can go like that. Uh, I love Stephen A. Smith. He's funny as hell. Have you gone on those shows? Do you do that No, stuff? I never did Stephen A., but there's something about Stephen A. Smith, like when he's making a point, when he puts his eyebrows down, there's just something about it. It reminds me of this kid I grew up with at the bus stop, so it always just makes me laugh. There's something that's weird. There's very something like kid-like about him when he's making his points. I'm not shitting on him or anything, but it's like funny. I had a comedian yeah. I worked with was like that. Um. It was funny. He was this dude from Brooklyn and he was like, you know, not someone you would mess with, but like when he wouldn't get his way, he would like become like this kid. It was, it was really funny. Um, Do you feel like as any comedy movie or TV show completely captured what the world is like? Of? of just the stand up day to day. Like, um, do you think pieces of it have captured it? I would say Pete Holmes show. Yeah. A lot that of that. It seems like the closest, A lot right? of that. I was actually going to, Call him the other day because I was talking to a comedian and, and I was like, you know, that's something that'd be a good thing for Pete's show that they never really captured. Like they never captured. Uh, I haven't seen anybody is the patheticness of after you killed and you're single and then standing outside as the crowd goes by trying to get laid and how <laughs> you have to, you have to like, it's not like musicians or really anybody, if you just went up there and spoke or, or performed, like there's a level of respect, but there's something about comedy, like they want you to keep doing the joke. So when you're not funny every eight, oh, you're kind of quiet. They get all weirded out. Like, well, who is that guy? It's like, that guy would be ridiculous to hang out with walking down the street. You'd get yeah. sick of me by the You'd end of the crazy. block. But they don't know. I bet magicians have the same thing. I bet when they try to get laid after their deal, like they still have to do like card tricks. Like, where's your bra? Ah, here it is. Oh, you. <laughs> they probably can't even do all those tricks anymore because it wouldn't be like consensual on some level. They'd get me too'd. <laughs> the Eagles documentary, there's this whole section about how they would hand out these special armbands for the groupies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And they would call it, the. Th it was basically the third encore. They called it Spread Eagle. And they yeah. would just go and get like the 50 best looking girls and they would go back to. So I'm guessing yeah. comedy is not like and that. And then ones who were on the bubble had to work their way through the, yeah. the roadies they and stuff. They did the combine. Oh God, it was just, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's like that that fifth round draft pick who always has a chip on his shoulder after that. Like, like they got something to prove. Like the Pats middle linebacker right now, Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> he runs a four seven forty, drops. He's got to prove himself every practice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just a different. Uh, it's a different time. What's what do you feel like? Out of all the things came like should have been better, and they just couldn't put the pieces together. What do you mean? As far as like what? movies, TV, like remember Punchline with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I thought for the time when that came out, I liked it. Yeah? I liked it, but I also wasn't doing stand-up yet. So um, anytime they make a movie about what you do, there's no way, you know, because just the amount of time they have to show it and then like the whole thing where you got to keep them chasing the carrot and everything, it's never going to be the same thing. So you kind of have to let go of that. Oh, you'll think every movie about what you do sucks. But um, I liked uh, Adam Sandler's... uh, was it funny? People? I was going to mention that the first, my favorite one was when he was the part of that movie was when he was laying in bed and going, just talk to me until I fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, it was weird. Cause he was experiencing the loneliness of the road when he was at home. So I found that like a nice twist, but like, uh, you know, I, half the time I would be drinking on the road. It was so you could, or, and just staying out. It was cause you just wanted to go back to that empty hotel room and just face plant and fall asleep immediately rather than sitting there in the quiet of it. Um, that when I was younger, now like going back stone sober and getting in bed and just putting on and watching a movie is like the greatest thing ever. HBO too. Oh, it's just the greatest thing ever. Like I just, the second I, I've always feel like I'm missing something until the elevator starts going up and then the excitement of actually getting eight hours sleep and not dreading the next morning, going to the airport, like half in the bag, trying to get through security and being all irritable. Um, you know, I thought the first like hour 10 of funny people, it's on cable a lot. Mm -hmm. It's really good. And there's a lot of people in it and there's, it, it taps into that whole world. I thought like the up and comers trying to write, to write people jokes. And then the guy who's kind of past his prime, but kind of wants to make one more run. I I thought it hit some good stuff. Since the last time I saw you, um, the Eagles beat the Pats in the Super Bowl. Yes, they did. Their fans have, uh. I've been loud ever since. So what? They the should fans. be. They talked a lot of shit. They should be. So you they support that? Absolutely. I mean, I, that's not something I do, but like- uh, I can't remember. Did Do you think the Pats fans did that in 01? We probably yes. did, right? Well, look, you and I didn't didn't do it, but like if you I go- might have. If, if, okay. Well, then there you go. I mean, I that, don't know. that's what's going to happen. I was happen. so happy we won something after 15 years of just sadness. Uh, yeah. And I would have thought the Red Sox would win a world series before the Patriots in that high school football stadium would ever win anything. So I was amazed by that. But, um, no, I would like at some point when, when the pain of the loss, you know, in like five years stops hurting, I would like to go back and watch it because it's such a bizarre game where the Eagles defense shut down the Vikings and we were, I thought our defense was okay throughout the playoffs. AFC's always just been weak, like the last, I don't know how many years. And, um, to just see, like, I mean, that was literally like a high school game when there was like two or three punts. And I'll tell you a record that will never be broken unless Tom Brady goes back again is you're never going to see a quarterback throw for over 500 yards and lose a Super Bowl. I know. And that's the one when, uh, like, that's the one thing I do give Eagle fans shit. They're like, Nick Foles owned you guys. Like, dude, he had a pedestrian 300 yard, 300 plus yard game. Yeah. Brady threw for 500 yards and lost. And had Cooks was out for the last three quarters, basically. Yeah, that that game. Yeah, I no Edelman, none of that. And then, and anytime Belichick decides to go, you know, great Santini and sit a player, 
it just never, you know, when he did that with Welker, remember when Welker made all those feet jokes about Rex Ryan? Yeah. Then like we ended up losing to the Jets at home. It just was a bad omen. And watching Malcolm Butler literally crying like a loved one had died. I was like from the, I just didn't feel right from, from the second. And I remember the first pass I saw uh, Foles throw. It reminded me of Jake DeLone, where it was another guy that nobody gave any chance. Like everybody forgets his performance. We almost lost to Jake DeLone. Oh, dude, he was a beast in that game. Yeah. And I, I, Nick Foles was great. And I was really, I wish that I could have watched the Eagles win a Super Bowl not beating my team because I really would have enjoyed it because, uh, you know, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm 50. So I know what it's like to wait. You know, anybody under the age of like, I don't know, 28 now as a, as a Boston fan has no idea what that feels like. But like, uh, so it, it would have been more enjoyable because um, I, I love seeing, you know, I love seeing the Cubs win, you know, um, love seeing the Capitals win this year. It was There's all- not a lot left. There's not a lot of those. I can't believe that team actually won the title teams. The list is, dude, we've really banged some out the last 15 years. The Capitals, yeah. I never thought the Capitals would beat the Penguins. Much less yeah, win the Stanley that, Cup. Yeah, and it was also it was a great thing to see how much Ovechkin cared, because there yeah. was a stereotype for a while with Russian players that the Stanley Cup didn't mean shit to him. It's like whatever the Stanley Cup is in Russia, if, if you went over there, you didn't grow up seeing it, so just inherently it didn't mean as much. And then and the stereotype was that they come over here, they get the big contract, and they don't fucking try. And, and guys like uh, like Malkin and Ovechkin really like I thought. Um, and sometimes got undue criticism because they were Russian or something. If the team wasn't going well, it's like, dude, they're not the fucking GM. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not the guy. They're still giving it their all on the ice, but it was sort of an easy scapegoat thing. But uh, I would say maybe the Cleveland Indians who, for some reason, like very under the radar with like this, uh, coming up on 80 years. Is it 80 years? Yeah. 80 they're years under the this radar. year. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, obviously Minnesota Vikings. I think the, the Buffalo Bengals Bills, watching them lose four in a row, like it, there's no point of even giving them shit. Either, although I, I think I did this week on the on the <laughs> podcast. Like I was going, is this the year where you guys regain your AFC championship winning form to go to a Super Bowl? I stopped short of saying losing it. But uh, yeah, I would say that you know, the, the Indians, the Browns. There's some out there. The Sacramento Kings would be ludicrous. You know, but it, it, I never they thought the Cubs They should have won it happen. that one year where they didn't oh, have yeah, a freaking mobbed up ref. There's yeah. another Lakers banner hanging up there. Um, For the Pats, though, that was the that was the Boston team that was just the black sheep that nobody ever imagined would actually win the Super Bowl. It seemed, oh, yeah. it seemed inconceivable. No. And now, really. now I think the Jets the have- The snowplow and- the, Oh, my God. Well, as you said, the stadium was kind of the secret sauce of how bad the Pats were. That was the worst stadium. It was just an armpit. Everyone has their five stories from- some terrible experience they had there. It was just awful. <laughs> it was like but a I kind parking of garage that they that they opened up like like a like I don't know like like a fucking I don't know. I'm trying to think of the vegetable like an avocado or something. They just like split the thing open. It was just it was just, yeah. It wasn't just it was an eyesore. They put alum, aluminum those aluminum benches. Yeah, you would say it. It would be freezing. Your ass would f- absolutely freeze. Yep. Just, Stand up, you lose your seat. In the cold games, you lost your seat because everybody's thick coats back then. They yeah. didn't have the North Face technology, so it was all about you know <laughs> skinning all these geese and shit. Uh, Not to mention, probably the one of the consistently drunkest crowds ever. Oh yeah, and I was a part of it. I yeah. remember the first time I went to a game. I went to see the the Patriots with the New York Jets right before they became the Sack Exchange. So it was Richard Todd. Yeah. Uh, uh, Freeman McNeil, Marty Lyons, Abdul Salam, Joe yeah. Klecko, and Mark Gastineau was the guys I remember, and um, Wesley Walker, and that the, that version. 
And uh, I remember it was cold, like that wet, windy rain. And I was freezing my ass off. And the Patriots sucked that year. I remember all these drunks standing up, Patriots fucking suck, <laughs> screaming. And I remember I couldn't believe it that someone would say something that about the home team. Yeah. Because I, I was so innocent going there. This is before the internet and shit. You didn't know what was going on in the world. And just seeing how drunk they were. And my dad just like was beside him. He was a Midwest guy, just beside of himself looking at the fucking behavior and never took me to another game. And then like within, God, three years of that, I went from like 12, maybe four years of that, 12 to 16, 17 years old. And all of a sudden- You were that guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't that guy till I was 21. Okay. 20. What year? 89, I had season tickets to him. Okay, eighty nine. We were one and were we one in fifteen that year? I think we were five and eleven. Oh, so ninety was one in fifteen. Yeah, it was the Rod Rust year. Yeah, Rod Rust. One in fifteen was the year that got me into sports gambling. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was like, I we're off. I what am I? I need a team to root for. And then somebody was like, "You should gamble. You know, you could gamble on the teams." I was oh, like, oh, that's cool. I remember I bet against the Patriots one time that year trying to trying to get my money back. They played Buffalo at home. And I believe that was the year that was, I think that was the game they actually showed up. They, they and came won. through. And so I couldn't even enjoy it. And I lost the money. I remember uh, we played the Dolphins that year. And uh, we went three and out. My buddy had buried the Patriots against Dan Marino and the Dolphins. I don't know. It was early in the year. Because the year before we made the playoffs, I believe in 88. So- we go three and out. We go to do a fake punt. It gets blocked. They take it in for a touchdown. It's seven to nothing. Right? So my buddy's got he's got all his money. I was like, come on, man. Let's fucking go. So they kick off to us. We go three and out again. We go to punt. The punter bobbles the snap. Now he's running with the fucking ball. Like <laughs> Gary O'Yepremen, however you say his yeah. name. I just my buddy's voice, like this highest pitch I've ever. He's like, what are they doing? <laughs> now, and he went to throw it. It got intercepted. They caught the ball, and then like two plays later, it was like 14 to nothing before your beer was even, like you weren't even halfway done with your beer. And uh, I remember we almost got into a fight that game. I'll spare the details, but- uh, Almost got into a fight was pretty synonymous with the late 80s, Well, 90s he just pads. was pissed, and he just started spitting. Yeah. Over the crowd. Oh, no. On the, oh, yeah. And these guys, this kid just, he just hucked a corn. He just hucked another corn. We were just trying to like- you know, I'm not, I, it's really hard to tell the story and not to say the guy's name because he had such a great nickname. We were trying to calm him down. <laughs> it was almost like, and it was 14 to nothing, so nobody gave a shit. So it was almost Patriot on Patriot uh, uh, battles and shit like that. But I remember I went to a game in the mid-90s. We were playing Denver. And I think Elway just, you know, I don't remember what his lifetime we record. We never beat Denver. We never beat Elway. From Craig Morton right yeah. through John Elway and like- and every time we fucking play him, it's always, it's always, always in mile high. It's like, yeah. do we ever get a home? I would love to see, maybe it's just because we always lose. So it just feels like that. But like the, every fucking time we play that team. And we had the Rulon Jones safety. Is there any way to look up a stat? To, uh, like like the Pats versus The all Denver? time, yeah. How many games have been home versus away from like 1978 on? Every time. It was always snowing. They always gave us a little bit of a chance. We would just get the shit kicked out of us. It, it finally started a flip with the Brady Belichick era. But we went to this game. It was when Elway was there. And they killed us. But more importantly, the, the 17-year-old kid behind us, who was obviously drinking before the game, uh -huh. had one of those exorcist throw-ups. Oh, God. Just five pounds of it. But it was behind us. 
But as the game went along, it started creeping down oh. toward our, so then by like second quarter, we're just, our feet are just in it for the, and the Pats are down like, you know, 28 to three or whatever. And we're going to buy bottled water <laughs> to spray out the puke. And oh, like to me, that was that stadium. People. Just like standing in puke, sitting in puke. I remember a preseason game. Two of my buddies went down to get a beer and they were gone for like a half hour. We're like, where are they? And they come back. One of them's shirt is ripped, like <laughs> open to his shoulder. The other's got like a bloody lip. They'd somehow gotten into a fight and almost got kicked out, but the vendor stuck up for him and said that, no, the other guy started it and they let them stay bloody. Like that would never happen. No, no now that would be like a congressional hearing. Yeah. I remember going when they opened Gillette Stadium, which I don't really like that much. The um, lighthouse is what gets me. Yeah, the, it it's looks cool on theme, TV. Theme parkish. Yeah, and TV looks cool in person. It feels theme parky. But uh, the first game, they they didn't, for some reason, they decided to make an equal amount of men's and women's bathrooms. And, you know, what is, what's the demo of a Pats game? Like 95 to five, male, female, mm -hmm. 96 to four. I don't know. And you said all these dudes waiting in these men's rooms, but all the women's rooms, there's nobody there. And it's usually the opposite. The women's right. rooms, usually the longer line. Well, guess what happened? You can take a guess. You're from Massachusetts. Oh. How do you think it played out? How it usually plays out. Do you, well, think, the guys started, do you yeah. think the guy started cool. using the women's? Yeah. Yeah. So you it was do just that complete now. chaos. Yeah. You did that now. Like, God It'd knows. be trouble. People yeah. would cell phone it. Yeah, you'd be called a rapist and they would you'd ruin your career. Yeah. Uh, You'll Tom never Brady? drive a garbage truck again. Tom Brady? Yep. You feel like he's getting weird a little bit? He's getting a little strange in his 40s? Uh, There's been some signs. I, I don't know. Weird, belovedly weird. I don't I'm know not, what. Not, yeah, everybody in the media is just going after the guy. I, I, I love Tom. It's his career. Did you watch he, Tom he, versus Time? He can do. No, I don't. I never watch any of that shit. Oh, see, that's because I don't. This give is why a, you feel that way. Yeah. Tom yeah. versus Time. Because I don't need to strange. know what the fuck he's like between the games. Yeah. All I just need to know is what he does during the game, which is he's done better than anybody else. If you're going to fucking, you want to hang out with me for 24 hours? Oh, I'm fucking, I guarantee you I'm weirder than that guy is. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and judge this guy who's like the greatest quarterback of all time and married a supermodel and yeah. went five, went to eight Super Bowls and won five of them. I'm going to sit on my couch being like, hey, what's up with this guy? He's got a full head of hair. This guy, he's killing me in every category. God bless him. Six five too. Six five. Tall and handsome. Tall and handsome. Yeah, exactly. I wish I, I had watched it. I was it. talking about that on the podcast. Drew Brees would be getting a little more love if he was about four inches taller. You know, had more of a square jaw. Yeah, and married somebody more well known. Well, that, that, he, he has like the second most yards of all time. People don't even know that. That's yeah. Indoors a little tainted. This is my Peyton Manning argument too. As I as I espouse the Tom Brady merits. Right. Just those Indoor. playing in the dome just helps. Brady's had to have all these cold weather games. You know, he's like in December, he's playing, he's either playing in Massachusetts or he's playing like but in Buffalo. But what happens outdoors? Does a bird come by and just take the ball? It's just harder. Frozen know. field. I never got harder that. To grip I never the ball. got that far in my football career to know if it's <laughs> easier weather. Or hard. But, it, but like the level of noise indoors too is, is you know, is True. difficult. Unless it's in your favor. Yeah. All right. Look, if you want to talk about that, then I make fun of Seattle who deliberately constructed, that is the loudest place. I've been, like people talking before the game was deafening. It like actually it was, seems was like bothering, it could damage your hearing. It was bothering hair. my yeah. ears. And, and that, that wasn't because people, they just talk loud in Seattle. It's because, it's like, it goes back to like before the amplification of sound. If yeah. you play these old theaters, if you know how to project your voice, you wouldn't need a microphone. These, these guys could sing 
or act to the back of the theater. They knew what they were doing. So they just, it's that technology has been around. So they just built it that way. All I know, I mean, good for them. Good for them. But all I know is if the Patriots did that, they would figure out where the sound waves were going and they'd make us tear down a section and we'd have to play at fucking Nickerson Field and lose a couple first round draft picks if we did that shit. Everybody else is just like, ah, it's a little gamesmanship. I know. The Steelers got involved in a deflated football preseason thing and it came and went in like five seconds. All right. Well, that's what, that's one of the, I mean, that, that, that Jim Ursay hiring a guy to do an investigation on the team that, that he lost to in a playoff game. I mean, that was like an episode of Dukes of Hazard. That was like- Especially Jim Ursay out of all people. Yeah, I know. Are you following the Jets QB? Like the, the Jets fans are really into uh, Sam Darnold. But he's one of those guys, it's almost like he dropped from one to three because people didn't like his face. Oh, that's a big there, thing. There was like some- Eli, if Eli looked better with a helmet on, <laughs> there's just something about him. He just looks like he's squished in there. And yeah. the guy is, he's a killer. You don't have to tell a Pats fan that that guy's a killer, man. Yeah. That guy, and he gets better. He's like one of those guys, like, I think he just, he's bored in September and October. And then all of a sudden it's like, Eli, you have to win seven of the last nine games. And he's like, all right. And then that's like the, the a dumb look on his face. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, that guy's not dumb, dude. He's not, he, but he- We're the he, only he fans is, who are afraid of him anymore. Huh? Eli. I well, think the he's, Pats he's, fans he's are been the getting shit group. on by the New York media yeah. his whole fucking career. It, that was, um, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you do have to get rid of your coach, but getting rid of Tom Coughlin, I mean, the guy owned the Patriots. Like, I don't know why you would do that. Um, but, you know, people move on. So we'll see. We'll see how this new, they got that that kid from Penn State at running back, whatever his name is. That Barkley. Guy. Oh my God. Yeah. He went, I had a and fantasy that, like draft last night. He went for like 52 bucks. That's, people were like already all in on him. He hasn't played yet. That's the best team for his style to go to, like just an old school. Like I actually, even though I'm a Patriots fan, I like the Giants because I've always liked defensive-minded teams. And and it's funny how like certain teams just know how to draft guys. Like for whatever reason, the Giants my whole life, and actually going before with Sam Huff and all those guys, they just always knew how to draft. They just see a linebacker like nobody else. Pittsburgh's another good team like that. And uh, then you got other teams that just can't pick a winner like, like the Browns and the Bears, like they just like they just can't get a quarterback. Like the amount of times where it's just like, all right, buddy, there's been one pick or two picks. You have the rest of the draft. Pick the guy that's right. gonna be the guy. And they just they especially the Bears. The Bears have net my whole life have never had a quarterback. They had uh uh what what's his face? Uh they had Cutler for they had a brief Cutler Apex. Cutler sorta, he's like the modern day like Jeff George. Oh, he yeah. has all this ability and he just ends up pissing everybody off everywhere he goes. He's fun as a fan to watch the way he talks to the media and how much he doesn't give a fuck. But um, I got to say, I miss him. The, like who, we need a new, I love Jeff George and I love Jay Cutler. I, I like the anti-hero QB. We need a new yeah. one. I'm hoping one of these new guys maybe will be the anti-hero. Well, who's that guy that's always on the Brown? Browns that went on uh, the herd and stuck up for himself, wore the whole shirt undraftable. Did you see that clip? Oh, was that Baker yeah, Mayfield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I, fun. Baker I like Mayfield he's got a was, swagger to him. Oh, yeah. And and he's going in to play for the Browns. The Browns, by the way, have to go back to their old uniforms. Yeah, I agree. They, it's so funny. They barely tweaked them, but they completely fucked Just them up. Just go back. They were such like- They dude, should go back to old, the Jim Brown uniforms, yes, like from the 60s. That old, all brown with the white numbers. 
and the white pants with the stripe is one of the cleanest uniforms. It's very hard to make Brown look cool, and they did it. I think it was the orange helmet that offset it. I How thought, long have I been in Hollywood? I'm really getting all fashionista over here. I thought Baker was going to be a bust, and I've already recanted and done a 180 on my own opinion because I was impressed by him. I thought in Hard Knocks, mm-hmm. I hate to judge people from just from Hard Knocks. I was really <laughs> impressed by a how he handled himself, his personality, his sense of humor. Yeah, he just seemed like a leader, but and so it, many it didn't of those seem guys, overwhelmed at all. But so many of those guys become busts. It's just it's the fucking team you go to, where it's just like you know if yeah, the team infects you. Yeah, and it's just like if they don't have an offensive line, and you spend like like. You know, Troy Aikman was was very close to being out of the league in five years if Jimmy Johnson doesn't come in and turn around. The amount of hits that that guy took in the beginning. Yeah. And then Jimmy made that unbelievably shrewd trade and uh, was able to convert all of those. I mean, that was the dumbest thing. I used to think that they just gave them all these players and and it wasn't. They, they They gave them like, I forget who they gave them, but they had like five of these other players and any one that he cut, he got like, the Vikings top pick. Yeah. And after the thing, Jimmy's like, you know, I'm going to cut all these players. And, and they're the like, Vikings what? guy, you motherfucker, don't do that. It's just like, well, of course I would have cut yeah, them. Why, yeah. Why would you do that? And, but then he also had to pick the right guys and he did. So, um, you are know. you ready for a post Tom Brady world as a Patriots fan? Yeah, I was after Atlanta. It's going to be, uh, like, I don't want him to play, too long where he really gets hurt. Like I, but it's up to him when he wants to quit. So I'm not going to criticize the guy if he keeps playing. I just want him to go out on a high note. I mean, as much as I'm worried about the guy, because I'm, I'm, I can only superimpose how I felt at his age. Yeah. <laughs> so this is me. But I mean, his last game, he threw for over 500 yards in the Super Bowl. He didn't fucking win. But I mean, anybody else is coming back. That's like a career year. So, uh, yeah, it feels know. like it's going to have to end badly. There's no other way. Well, I'm and just hoping. I just don't know what year it'll be. It could be in 2025. Like who, who the hell knows? I've just I never seen thought a we'd lot see what he did last year. In this business, the thing that, that got him there is also the thing that can screw you over if, if you're not cognizant of it, which I think he is, you know? And I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think uh, he's going as long as he feels like he can still be good. And it does seem like he's- Which is okay because I mean- Yeah. It seems like he's really driven to prove that he can completely alter the limits of what people thought a guy in the 40s Well, hasn't he already done? How old is he? He's 41. No, he's 41. Now we're we're entering territory we haven't seen. We've seen 39. We've seen 40. Okay, so you saw a 41-year-old guy throw for over 500 yards in a Super Bowl. Got his team in the Super Bowl, threw for over 500 yards. I mean, that's insane. But I think he wants to go to like 45. I think he wants us to be the all-time mic drop where people are like, holy shit, what happened? I think LeBron's wired the same way, to be honest. I think LeBron wants to play until like his kid's in the NBA. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's all, that's why they're great. Yeah. So, but this but is nothing we, worse though than watching a guy try to do that and then see a bunch of out of shape people who were never even picked in gym class start picking him apart. And in and, and, and the the- Glee and the joy that they have doing it. The guys because their the own guys finally sports stream up. never got off the fucking ground. Yeah, like the uh, the cuntiness of sports writers <laughs> is just it's just it's unparalleled. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the average jerk off on Twitter, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, the, I mean we grew up with some some boxers that stayed on too long. It seems like a recurring thing in boxing. They always have to have that. 
that well, those two knockouts that should a corrupt happen. sport and then they don't have any money. They don't. Yeah. They have to keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah. So, uh, but like Bobby, there's been a few people like, like, uh, that walk away, you know, that, that have been smart, like in football. Elway uh, was the best one. Two, two titles leaves. Leaves. But I'm He's just saying out. as far as before you, you have like any sort of like damage, like, you know, Barry Sanders playing oh, 10 yeah, seasons yeah. and gone. Like I, I you know, what that's going to do for the future of his health, considering what seems what happens to a lot of these football players, like Lynn Swan got out after 10 years. He played 10 seasons, got four rings and, and had the- Took like, a couple of huge hits though. Remember yeah. the Super Bowl where it seemed like, was he the one? Oh no, uh, that was, he took one, but I was thinking of Sammy White. Sammy White took that one hit when it seemed like he died in the game. Oh yeah. Remember if you that? watch those old Raider highlights- Yeah, it's it like, was, oh my God. They just were punching guys in the head. Yeah. Like this one guy, he literally had like a cast- and you'd catch the, he would let you catch the ball and so then he, he, could would, close on he would to the side of the head and you'd get knocked out and they act like that was a good hit. It's like, dude, you just sucker punched that guy. And that was completely legal. Yeah. I remember a, a, a touchdown pass Terry Bradshaw threw and he got knocked unconscious against the Cowboys. He got hit like, I think two guys hit him at once. Yeah. He was completely unconscious. And he, he of course, cause he's Terry threw a strike. Lin Swan caught it for a touchdown and then Terry played the rest of the game. I believe didn't remember most of it. I mean, that was, uh, they don't let guys do that anymore. So that, 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 is, uh, that is a good thing. They don't let them do anything close to that anymore. Yeah. Now, that, now they have the Not because they care. Not because yeah. they care. It's well, they're all afraid about they're going to get sued, sued yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. I they, was saying on my podcast that the, what they should do is just like make them all sign a waiver. Kind of like, you know, if, if the federal government imprisons you for 30 years and they find out you're innocent and they go, okay, we'll let you out, but you have to sign this thing where you can't sue us. Yeah. They, whatever lawyer drew that up, the NFL should hire that person. And then when you come into the NFL- You just sign that. You just you sign can't. it. Here we go. This this is what this is. I had my fantasy football draft last night and we always, we have 11 teams, but only 10 can be in the draft and the champ gets to vote somebody out. Okay. So the guy who was the champ, Dave Damashek he drew up this legal document that I won't vote you out, but you can't vote me out for five years. And we all had to sign it to avoid getting voted out. And then he ended up voting out this one person. But I thought like what you're saying Sounds about like the NFL, that survivor. it really was. That's what this is. It's survivor. And it's caused a lot of tension and, uh, and angst in our group. I hate it. I'm, but, af- uh, I'm afraid to, yeah, dude, you, you guys, you fucked up with that one. This is my friend, Cousin Sal, who's, he's obsessed with like the vote out and who's no, going to get back. You guys like, just, you, yeah, you just signed away. He loves away. fucking with, with, you know, That's like friend. Woodrow Wilson when he realized that Federal Reserve was not a good deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're just stuck with it for the rest of eternity. So you got to have your letter of regret. Are you, what's your big college football trip this year? I'm going to Michigan, Wisconsin in the big house. And uh, have so you have was, you done that one before? Yeah, I saw Michigan, uh, Ohio State back 1999. That's when like uh, was it David Boston was playing, and I, I forget who oh, Michigan Jesus. is. Yeah, a long time ago. Remember how big that that guy got so jacked on the Cardinals, David Boston? He was like the yeah. first football receiver I remember. I was like, wow, that guy's too big. He's not. He's yeah. gonna get hurt. Yeah, that was uh, and that was a great era in the Big Ten. That was before uh, the SEC and their whole run. But it's my, funny my, that my, you my, like college football when like Massachusetts, it's so not a thing. I moved out here. And that's what got you. And the games came on so early and, um, and shows get, comedy shows got over so early. Like, you know, you used to work the weekends in New York. I mean, you, you didn't get home till like three in the morning and you uh, didn't fall asleep to four, four thirty. So 
I missed a lot of sports when I was there. And then I came out here and, you know, you, you weren't getting eight spots a night in a weekend the way you could run around the city back in the day, at least in New York. So, um, gave me this free time and I just was like, all right, well, I'm not jumping on the Alabama bandwagon. Um, so I liked Les Meyer with, uh, LSU and I became an LSU fan. So like mm. I, I have, there's a bunch of teams that I like, uh, historically just good programs and stuff. And, uh, there's a lot of teams within the SEC that were good when I was So you're dating up. a lot of teams. You're not married to any of them. I'm married to LSU. You're but married like, to LSU, but you have some mistresses. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just like, I, I'll be, if Tennessee gets good again, I'll be happy for them. Uh, so you had Belichick and Les Miles in your life at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I did. That's really too extreme. He was fun, man. He was a fun guy where he would, uh, he would just, he would go for it. He had trick plays. He was eating the grass and he just was <laughs> crazy. The big things we never had a quarterback, but this year, this new kid, uh, forget his name. I just saw him, uh, uh, they pretty much handled University of Miami the other night until like with like eight minutes left, all of a sudden Miami started scoring. Then they were like two touchdowns, two point conversions, two two point conversions from tying it that made me nervous. And I was like, there's no way they're going to do this. It's like, wait, I saw the Patriots do that like four times to the Falcons. So it is doable. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I went to a game there uh, in Baton Rouge when they played Alabama. It was incredible. And they had the game one and they fucking alligator armed it. They started playing Marty ball. Oh, Jesus. Mid-third quarter. Poor hours. Marty. Yeah. Um, give me your top four stadiums. Give me the Mount Rushmore right now. Okay. Well, to, I am- College. I, I only need like eight more in the professional, all four sports, eight more home games that I have to go to. Oh, so you want in college. Okay. Wait, what are you talking about? You've I've banged to, out that many stadiums? You only have eight left? Yeah. I've been to a home game of every football, baseball, every hockey, but like three and every basketball except like, I guess five maybe. Yeah. Football, you're talking college and pro? No, no, no. Just uh, pro. Just pro. But college, I'm on Give me my the way. college. That I've been to? The best three you've been to so far. Uh, it's tough. Dude, That's I, I can't do it. Because college- that's, Of course you can do it. No, you, I'll tell you why. Because in the NFL, they're all brand new stadiums. The NBA, baseball, it's so the memories aren't there. Yeah. Like when you're going into these old stadiums and you know Earl Campbell played here- and 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 all these 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 amazing players. So I'm mean, dude, I've been to the Rose Bowl, the LA Coliseum. The Rose Bowl is really cool. And I LA, actually was prepared for what that was like. I I go to that every I go to the Rose Bowl game. I've gone to the last 10 in a row. Every yeah. New Year's day I go to that uh LA Coliseum where the first two Super Bowls were played. Every time I go there, I picture that video of of uh um Vince Lombardi and all those empty seats behind him. Um, when I go there, Max uh, McGee throwing up in the sideline, the big house, Notre Dame. I remember Notre Dame was like, welcome to big time college football. This guy over the thing, uh, the swamp last year, I went there. Not only did I see LSU versus the Florida Gators, it was right after Tom Petty, unfortunately, uh, 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 died and he was from Gainesville Yeah, and they, they played, I won't back down and the whole crowd sang it. If you'll see it on YouTube, I was oh, there. That's I, awesome. That gave me chills. Um, LSU was incredible. I went to the Red River rivalry game in the Cotton Bowl, Texas versus Oklahoma. What about Ole Miss? Uh, that's on my bucket list. I'm going to go to that I've one. I've heard good things about that one. Um, they've all been great. They just did. And then uh, OSU, I went to a game there. They're playing Bowling Green, so that kind of sucked. But um, I was in Auburn two years ago. It was cool. 
And then they won and it was like, hey, we're going to go toilet paper some trees. trees. Like what? Yeah, let's go do it. You guys are all doing that? What does that mean? Why are you doing that? I went to an Indiana University game when Bobby Knight was still there when they played uh, Michigan State. Wow. I have never seen behavior. And he wasn't even getting technicals. I have never seen a coach. Like, dude, he was so far out on the court. I forget, they gave up an easy bucket. Yeah. And the point guard's bringing up the court. And dude, he was yelling. And it was, I thought his head was going to snap off the way he was like just throwing his head at his guy was going up the court. And um, that was when I almost didn't get into I bought a student ticket and I was like 32 and they're looking at me. And I just, I think I just said, come <laughs> on, man. And they go, all right, get in there. <laughs> but that this was is a bucket uh, list. I got to go. That's the best NBA in arena, Conseco Field in uh, Indiana. Because oh, they built think? it just for basketball. Because yeah. most of these basketball arenas are built for hockey, so they have to be wider so the seats aren't as close. And oh, the is that Indiana right? one. Yeah, so the legend goes to the games. He sits in the corner. Because mm -hmm. if if you do an NBA arena the right way or a basketball arena, the corner should actually be an awesome seat because it should be close. Yeah. But with the hockey, they have to make it super wide for all the guys to walk in and out. Right. So those corners are like too far away. So anyway, that was a good one. What's the best hockey arena? Montreal? Well, they have the new one. I went to the old forum and that was- The old forum that was, was cool. I mean, that was like the place of our nightmares as, as children. But still, you had to respect it. Maple Leaf Gardens, I took a tour of that before they tore it down. That was incredible. Uh, um, I would say the Boston Garden. The new one? No, the old one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that place, seeing Celtic games there and uh, Bruins games. I mean, that was literally, you know, the deal. You felt like- you're going to fall down onto the ice. They just, you know. The pillars, the cigarette smoke and the alcohol. Those little fumes. shit TVs. Remember if you yeah. got like the, the obstructed such view. A that I little kitchen it. TV was like a six inch screen. You're supposed to, as like that black line was kept jumping going up. You're supposed to watch it on that. And uh, People think those stories are exaggerated. We No, you know, not at all. We used to sit in the tunnel because my dad had tickets. And you could hear the rats running around underneath us sometimes. Because you remember the tunnel, like they yeah. have the little screens. We could hear like little squeaking shit. I never heard that. Shit. I just remember there was a guy one time. Like, like, are, how, those are rats. How tight it was. There was a guy, we had upper deck and this guy was across the ice upper deck. And for some reason, Mike Milbury wasn't a popular Bruin at the time. Yeah. And, and there, yeah. there were some reasons. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't, I'm, I don't know any reason. But I just remember this guy stood up and just clear his day. The whole arena heard it. He just stood up and he grabbed his dick. He goes, Milbury, eat my meat. <laughs> and he got this big laugh. And then he just sat down. There was all kinds of kids there. They all heard it. No usher came down to say like, hey, buddy, could you not grab your junk? Yeah. And, and spew out vulgar stuff across the entire fucking arena. Like, like the players on the bench heard it. Like that's, like that's how tight it was. Um, How are you feeling about hockey these days? I love it. And the more people criticize it, the more it warms Who's my heart. Who's criticizing it? Well, everybody always is always like, you can't see the puck. It doesn't translate to television. Uh, why do they allow them to fight and all of that shit? And it's just like, dude, it's not for you. Just fucking move on to another sport. All these fucking assholes, they keep, and the NHL listens to them. They're to try, try to cater to, cater them. to these people yeah. who are going to continue to not watch hockey and then they just alienate good uh, fans like myself. I just I pat myself on the back. I will tell you this. After years of picking the wrong cities, they are on a roll right now with Nashville yeah. and Vegas. And I think Seattle is going to be huge. Seattle fans a good idea. are maniacs. They're yeah, maniacs. Seattle's and they're going to be idea. loud as shit. And they know the louder they scream, the better chance they get 
uh, getting the Sonics back or some sort of NBA franchise. I don't know if they own the team, uh, the the team name, the way the Browns fans did. I think that's going to be a huge. I got to say, I was absolutely flabbergasted and stunned by how well the Vegas thing went. I felt I, it was going to go the complete opposite way. It made I, no I, sense I, to me. I, I wouldn't have bet against you. It it broke pretty much every rule I would have expected for what would make an NHL team work. But then as you watch it happen, and then it makes total sense. It's like, oh, the ticket break brokers buy all the tickets. They just hand them out to this group of people. But then you have all these diehard people who don't live like right in Vegas, but are uh, 20, 30 minutes away. And they those are like the perfect blue collar occupants. Yeah. And what, and about, that, what was, about that speech the guy gave? That was like right out of a movie. Oh, yeah. They, he said, everything at the beginning of the season, he goes, he goes, you guys are all in this locker room for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> Whoever you just played for didn't think you were good enough to be, yeah, pro- to be protected. Yeah, movie. To be protected. And they all just, just became one. Uh, yeah, Which, that was one of those ones when I was watching, I was just like, I was rooting for the Capitals because uh, one of my buddies, Josh Adam Myers, is a huge, longtime suffering Capitals fan. So I was rooting for him. But I was just like, you know, if the Capitals don't win, this is just such a great story. Uh, to lose to the expansion team. No, no, that no, no, been no, a, no, 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 no during that 2011 Dallas year when people had kind of written him off and he was over here and he, mm-hmm. he's the MVP, but he shouldn't have been. That's and, when they beat Miami, right? And then they had the whole, it wasn't just Miami. Like he, they upset every team they beat in the playoffs was a team people thought they were going to lose to. I always and felt bad very for Mark Cuban because then the lockout happened. He wasn't allowed to talk to his players. So the second they won, he wasn't allowed to celebrate right. with them. It's just like, dude, what the? F- right. There's no way. He must've been like, all right, everybody just. I think he was partying for like, seven weeks in a row anyway. I think he was fine. Yeah. I think he, he wanted that, especially after how they lost in 06 when Wade and the refs and all that shit. So you're fine. You're, you're, you feel hockey's in a good place right now. Cause I agree with you. It does seem hockey like- Hockey is a great game. It it's seems like hockey's driven away all the casual fans and basically like, we're here. This is our sport. Stop telling us what to change. Fuck off. I hope this that's, is that, that, I hope that's what they do. Just be happy being multimillionaires. Stop looking at other sports being like, why can't we be billionaires? It's just like, that's, it's a fucking disease. Like how big does your flat screen TV have to be? It does seem like the one professional league that hasn't really exploited this current decade where sports rights have, you know, like the premier league's gone way up and these freaking MLS teams are What about are the all UFC? Worth- UFC went global, UFC, like soccer. WWE. Like, I, I would say UFC has got to be as far as global- Globally goes, that's got to be second behind soccer as far as like, like it doesn't make a difference where they go. There's fans, people are going to mm. watch it. Um, NBA's NBA's above them, but UFC is definitely NBA. I think NBA's the league past stuff, like in these different countries they've gone into. It's been social media. Like you can always tell by the social media. So the soccer players have the biggest, you know, Instagram footprints, Twitter footprints, stuff like that. Oh, okay. And the basketball is like, really gone up. And that's the, that's the biggest difference between basketball and baseball right now is the, ba- the baseball me. guys have I would no think, social media I would think footprint that they would be bigger. Yeah. That always, that post you have, the Which fish one? that saved Pittsburgh, the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Yeah. I remember seeing that when I first got cable. 40 year anniversary coming up. Is that Gabe Kaplan in that movie or no? No, that's Gabe Kaplan's behind you to the right. That's the most politically incorrect sports movie of all time. Fast break. Oh, I knew he did a basketball one. Yeah. 
That was the golden era of fish that say Pittsburgh fast break and one-on-one with Robbie Benson. Oh yeah. The trifecta. Oh, I love that movie. One Were you in a sports movie? Was I ever yeah. in a sports movie? No. no? Nothing? No. no. How did that happen? You've had so many well, like cameos any and weird in, stuff. In the movie industry. <laughs> no, but you've been, so I just kind of, also I look like all these a different fireman. Things. I look like a cop. You couldn't I mean, have been. I don't, I don't really look like a flanker. You've been in one of these Boston movies they've made? Hmm? You couldn't have been in like a cameo? I, I auditioned for Celtic Pride early in my uh, career. There we go. Colin Quinn. That fever pitch? Written movie. Um, fever pitch? No. I just wasn't. No, I was never the guy. So, which sucks when you're young, but it's great when you're old. So you have a nice sort of gradual ascent. Yeah. And nobody bugs you. And uh, yeah, it's perfect. So then I, if my descent is just as gradual, it should take me to the end of my life. <laughs> Can I ask you about the the Louis stuff recently? Sure. What was your uh, reaction to it? He comes as back, he does what? comedy and everybody gets pissed off. Well, I don't think it was everybody. It was well, just, a lot of people. Yeah, some people got pissed off and a lot of people thought like, you know, he's had enough. Let him up off the mat. I always equate it to like, you know, I'd watch a buddy of mine get into a fight. I wanted him to win. But after a while, it was like, all right, all right, it's over. You got him. Like, let him up. I mean, they took everything from him. And like, if he wants to go out and go do stand up, I mean, it's a free country. You don't have to like it. You don't have to go to the sh- go to the shows or anything like that. But um, I just wish we could get out of this. I wish we could get back to a I don't know if that period ever existed, but I wish we could get to a period where you could discuss things and not just not just have to pick a well. Have people side start yelling at you and then try to destroy your career just because you have a difference of opinion? Where if you're on the same page, going, "Hey, you know, this behavior is not correct and should be dealt with," and then you're disagreeing on type of punishment, length of punishment or anything like that. And then it just becomes like this thing where, where uh, that we live in a world now where you have to be afraid to say that stuff. It's, you know, to people who are allegedly progressive. It's like, how are you progressive if I have a difference of opinion and so then you're going to try to destroy me is, 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 is the irony of that. I don't have a problem if somebody disagrees with me. I would never try to go out, you know, and and like ruin them to the point that they're out on the street, you know. Um, and then I also have like a, like a you know, there's a lot of shit where it's just like uh, this sounds like a job for the authorities and people who went to law school, as opposed to me who's just some people f- on Twitter. Yeah, and and me, like, what the fuck do I know about the legal system? I don't, I, you know, I don't know any any uh, of this stuff. But like most people, I do have an opinion, and um, you know. I don't have a problem if somebody disagrees with me. I would never go after them like that, especially if they haven't done anything other than weigh in on a, on a topic. It's bizarre. Everybody on, on the internet, they're just such good people, like, you know, without having to demonstrate it. That's what I love. Like, there'll be like a hashtag. I saw one, it was just uh, things I don't tolerate. And adults were literally weighing in on this. And then they were just saying all of this obvious applause break shit, like racism bigotry, my favorite one, mean people. It's like, what are you, fucking five mean people? And that's just like, like, what did you have to demonstrate that you don't do that? 
Now, is there video of you being somewhere with a bunch of white people and someone drops the N-word and then you don't tolerate it? Is there any of that evidence? Or did you just fucking just write a bunch of shit and it becomes like this self-serving fucking thing that's allegedly for the better good of society when it really isn't? It's like all those jerk-offs on Instagram acting like they're trying to inspire you and they're just trying to show you all the cool shit they have and their six-pack abs, you know? I'm so fucking sick of people on Instagram telling me how hard they're working. Yo, we out here grinding, out here trying to get this paper. It's just like, yeah, yeah, everybody is. Oh, do you have to work hard in life? I didn't realize that. It's just like, my favorite one, I love the one too, where you bring all your cars out around the private jet. And it's just like, did you drive all those out there yourself and you just Ubered back to your garage? Did that take all day? Or did you did you have the gardener drive over the Hummer? I like the, the LeBron Instagram workouts. And then you have to workouts. stand there and you cannot be looking at the camera. You got to be looking, you got to be looking, looking off. sideways. Yeah. And you got to have a look on your face. This is like, you know, this is how we do it, man. This is, oh, was that how you do it? I didn't know you could do it like that. I would have done it that way had I known how to do it. How do you do it? Oh, we're working hard. It's just like, it's like, none of this means anything. It's just, it's just somebody sh- trying to, it's just like, just, just be an arrogant ass. Stop acting like you're trying to fucking help me. The LeBron Instagram workout videos. You knew the old man videos. in me was going to come out at some point in this fucking podcast. It. The LeBron Instagram workout videos. Like, I can't imagine uh, Bird of Magic doing that 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Well, in defense of him, though, that didn't exist. They would have. There would have been people who did that shit. Bird, Bird never would have had it. Bird was like tarring his driveway during the summers. Like, Bird hurt yeah. his back tarring his fucking driveway. I know. Because they gave you that one standard brush. Yeah. I remember that. You want to pay somebody $7 an hour to do his driveways, make it like a million dollars a year. Well, that's a fair. Yeah, how cheap Come he on, was. Larry. When they he was in the cheap. Olympic Village, yeah. I ain't paying $8 for a beer and his six foot nine self just walked down the street you always, to a bar to go get a beer. You talk about the great athletes who fucked their careers up in, so, in some way. Nobody ever talks about Larry Bird just being cheap. If, he, if he's not tarring his own driveway, he maybe plays like seven more years. Like Bobby Orr, yeah. He only played nine years, but it was because multiple people made runs at his knees and fucked his knees up to the point he couldn't he also, play anymore. He also played reckless, like, and I, and I mean this in a good way. Like he yeah. just, he only, he just played on ten. Um, There's some great, great, great Bobby or YouTube videos. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like him, him defending the goal without a mask because the goalie was out of there, just like taking slap shots to the. <laughs> To the yeah. neck and uh, and fighting people. He was in some fights. I remember hearing a great Gretzky story where somebody was going, uh, Wayne Gretzky, you're the greatest of all time. And there was a Bobby Orr video on the background. He goes, no, that guy, that guy's the greatest of all time. So when the great one said he's the greatest, um, yeah, he took it to a whole, uh, whole other level. We did uh, my HBO show, You and the Great One. You were like a little yeah. kid in the candy store talking yeah. about hockey. And he was, he was, he was laughing delightedly at you. Yeah, I think he was so excited that somebody Key, had it. At no, me. with you. He was, I think he was so delighted that there was a hockey fan with a sense of humor. He was like, look at this guy. Oh, he's got, yeah. got hockey jokes. He, was, he loved it. Well, you go up to Canada, they got him. They are, I, I, I was just so, I couldn't believe I was meeting him. And then he was just such a nice guy. And um, just like, yeah, hockey players in general are, are very down to earth. I don't know if it's it's if it's because of the game or whatever. It's the Canadian the Canadian uh, DNA. I think is a big part. Yeah, of but that. there's so many like Europeans. They're just still just in general. They're just like like self deprecating, like nice guys. Um, yeah, it's I don't know why. 
It's funny because then you see the game and they're just beating the shit out of each other. They think they're a bunch of animals. Then you hang out with them. Oh, you know, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, it was a good fight. Have it some beers. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Um, so I got efforts for families. Let me promote some stuff. I got efforts for yeah, families season three. We're done. Uh, Netflix is going to give us a release date, hopefully uh, by October, and it should be coming out before the end of the year. That's all. The I last know. time we did one of these, I told you how we wouldn't let my son watch it. Mm-hmm. He That's started good parenting. Now he started watching it. He's, yeah. he's kids sneak, love our show. Out. Yeah, yeah. Kids love our show. That's I'm sure that I'm the crazy Netflix algorithm that's going to control our lives someday uh, is reporting back on the kids. And but the I don't know if they're signing range. in on their parents' account or whatever. But no, like, they're doing that. They're signing into. You can flick over from like the kids' account to the dad account, and that's oh, how they're right. getting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been it's been a fun. Th- and, and then uh, MSG I, for some reason you scheduled TD Bank North. I saw on October fifth. Uh huh. It's almost definitely going to be a Red Sox playoff game. You yeah, make it's it awesome. like a Sophie's Choice well, type I'm, of no, situation. I'm going to go, but I'm going to go back for uh, for like a week. Well, everybody will like yeah, they'll have uh, they'll probably be watching the game live. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it's a road game, but still they want to watch it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. As they were winning like a thousand games this year, <laughs> although they're playing 500 ball now, which I think is a great thing. I, they they finally had their little swerve at a time when you would want it, which is yeah, August. rather than October. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And the Yankees haven't been winning, so they're still eight and a half back. Um, Who's your MVP, Mookie or JD? Oh, that's tough. That's I think. Oh, what about I think it's Sale? What about Sale though? Because Sale prevented yeah. us. He that, wait, that guy prevents us from He's having any sort in like of a losing four weeks. streak, dude. But they're resting him for October. I know. I like that. You know what they're doing. I wish we'd done that with Clements and in 86. Is, is Price all right? I know we had that comeback or hit him on the wrist. I, I never know with Price. Price and my daughter are the two most fragile people in my life yeah. right now. <laughs> Don't know what to expect with Price. Uh, <laughs> Just hoping he's going to make it. So yeah, big tour and then uh, and the podcast. Uh, big tour and then the, yeah, I got the podcast and uh, efforts for family and then front runner. Those are the things I have going on in my front life. Front runner. Front runner. Well, who's your character in front runner? Uh, I, it's funny if you go on the website, it says they that, made uh, up a fake name for you. No, they, for somebody says me, I'm playing George McGovern. So I keep getting all these questions. Like, You're playing you know, George McGovern. No, I, exactly. I'm not. Oh, but everybody's just like, holy shit, this guy, what is this guy? Is he like Daniel day Lewis? How the fuck is he pulling <laughs> this off? I don't know who put it up there. I think it's hilarious and I'm not going to correct it until somebody else does. But they have me there playing George McGovern. You should just start doing when you do uh, interviews and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm going to be George McGovern. Yeah, you know, I watched a lot of tape, you know, and uh, wrote a bunch of notes. No, I play uh, a guy who works for the Miami Herald. Oh. Yep. Who, curiously enough, has a Boston accent. So Well, he moved there from Boston. Yeah, he did. Yeah. All my characters. For an internship. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time I I, I did a sitcom, a failed pilot that took place in Wisconsin. And how they explained away my accent was... uh, he went, he went to BU for four years or something like that. And it's just like, oh, and he just completely lost. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it can't, and then he goes back to Wisconsin. Then he should get his Midwest accent. But I could do it now. I think I could do a Midwest, more of a Midwest accent. But uh, yeah. Bill Burr, pleasure as always. Thank you for having me, Bill. 